Good evening, everyone. Uh, our, um, our first reading, uh, we hear about um, someone who's removed from office, uh, and he would be replaced. Uh, God did this. <laughs> and uh, the second reading is really a hymn uh, written uh, that would probably was sung. And my friends, our gospel reading uh, is very well known, and uh, in my nine years with you, I've preached on this three times uh, in my 15 years, of course, more. And I usually focus, you can focus on the, the latter part of it that talks about our sacrament of reconciliation, the power of that, the authority given to relieve sins. Uh, talk about the primacy of Peter. Talk about Peter himself. Uh, talk about uh, the primacy of Peter and his successors, which we call the Pope. Uh, and those are all wonderful, uh, but perhaps uh, there are two other pieces from the gospel that I've never really spoken about. So, um, as I said, this um, gospel is really familiar throughout all of Christendom, through all the uh, denominations of Christianity. And Jesus asked Peter a question, and it, it's really about faith. Um, and Jesus' confirmation of Peter's response with, is met with an announcement that he will establish his church through Peter, and uh, he will become the foundational rock. And so my friends uh, of late, especially in the past few months, uh, Mother Church is seen by many people as a huge worldwide corporation, uh, an organization, and people both outside the church and inside the church tend to see what is external and visible, and I understand that. And they tend to look at it as a large corporation centered on the Vatican uh, with these guys running around in red called cardinals and these other ones running around in purple, <laughs> the bishops. And they're stationed throughout the world uh, in dioceses and uh, the enormous number of Catholic institutions, uh, parishes and schools, hospitals, and we have many, many welfare agencies uh, under the umbrella of the Catholic Church. My friends, uh, I say this because the church, we need to do those things, but the church is so much more than that. The church is, first of all, a very living, organic entity with life. And that life is the life of the Spirit that pulsates throughout all of the world, through its members, you. Certainly, each member is to have a personal relationship with Christ, and our Protestant brothers and sisters are very good about verbalizing that for us. We don't say it that way, but there's nothing wrong with it. We should. Uh, and we are to have that personal relationship, but that relationship necessarily brings us into the relationship with the church. Uh, many people think they can just go off by themselves. It won't work for you. It just, you will falter. So my friends, uh, the relationship then with the church begins really with our baptism and is part of our identity. And because of it, each one of us has been given a grace to make Christ known and present in our world, in our little piece of the world. And um, Jesus used an image uh, not different from to communicate this, uh, but his relationship with his disciples. He says in the gospel, I am the vine and you are the branches. And these words um, speak about community and communion. Um, 
in a very specific way, communal, as we would call it in theology speak. And uh, communal uh, refers to something much deeper than just a community, uh, whereas the bond of community is in a common, perhaps, place or an interest of some kind. Communal refers to the fact that we are connected and bonded with God and then thus with each other by the very power and life of the Spirit. And this bond goes much deeper than a common interest. It is a bonding at a level to our very core being. We live in this communio, we share it together, and we walk in faith from it, and especially when we celebrate in our church the sacraments, our seven sacraments. The church is also understood to be a mystery, and uh, by that, it does not just mean it's mysterious with her rights and all of her ways, but it means rather something where the very presence of God is both hidden or concealed and revealed. And uh, concealing meaning we do not see God visibly. If you do, please email me so I can have a conversation with you because I'd like to talk to you. And then we will go to Rome. <laughs> But it's also revealed by the sacraments, by the opening and the breaking of the word, as we used to call it. Uh, it's also made known by the very members, the community, living faith. The church, especially the local parish, is also a home for us. When we back on our website, you will see it says a home in the harbor and a family in the faith. And we're still striving to make that an absolute reality. And so a parish is supposed to be a home, and it's supposed to be a place where you and I should feel at home and accepted and welcomed. But it is also a place that has certain disciplines and order because the church is the guardian of what is sacred and holy. And our local church, meaning the Archdiocese of Seattle, uh, and here locally in Gig Harbor, our parish, we should be able to experience the warmth and the movement of the Spirit. We should be able to come here and experience Jesus Christ. So it's not just a stained glass window or a statue to you. Hmm? The local parish, uh, on the other hand, must never be so turned on itself, only interested in itself, ministering only to its registered members. Uh, that becomes a problem, and uh, we came very close, all the parishes and the churches, when COVID hit, doors locked, no one could come in, I couldn't go out there with the Eucharist, I mean, it, was just be it became a nightmare for, for all of us, but as a priest, preaching for 15 years, get your butt in church, get your butt, and then we're told, you know, you don't come here, can't come in, lock the door, I mean, it was madness. And so, my friends, uh, as a parish, we can't just turn inward only to ourselves. And through our ministries, we don't. We continue to do outreaches, but we continue to uh, try and engage um, the community. Uh, because if we just become uh, just about ourselves, then are we not then just a social club of some type, <laughs> you know, or support group of some type? We have to... Uh, provide for the larger community, and at times, and my friends, and here's what you need to understand, and at times, uh, that engagement is going to be 
witnessing in a countercultural way. You know this already. I know it's hard, and we maybe don't like it, but that's the truth of it. I mean, this morning I was listening to such nonsense on the TV about that. The church is going to have to change, and they're going to have to accept. I'm like, no, no. This is, no. The church has a culture of its own that arises from the gospel. This culture embodies a structure of values and meanings that often run counter to the values and meanings of civil society and culture. That doesn't mean we have to be at war, and it certainly doesn't mean you hate. Jesus did not preach hate. If we are really conscious of being Christ's church, we will eventually experience conflict. I don't like it. I don't like conflict. <laughs> but we will experience between what the church stands for and the values of a society and culture around it that is really indifferent to it. If we do not experience this conflict, or if our members keep running from church to church, hoping to find, well, I like the message here. <laughs> it likely means that you are not really uh, dedicated, uh, and you're treating the church nothing more than a social club. And it's a club where the membership you will use when it's convenient. So I pray we're not like that. Amen. So on this day, together, in this house, where we are nourished then by our Lord's word and sacrament, particularly in the Eucharist, where I hope you come and you truly experience his presence in our faith community, let us be conscious of the bond of unity that we have and live what we share in this parish and with many other communities of faith throughout this city, this state, and throughout the world. We are the branches, and Christ is the vine. You are the church, the mystical body of Christ on earth. You just got to start believing it. And when you believe it, you'll start living it that way. And this is what discipleship means, to do this. So my friends, I, I almost feel like I, if I don't say something about Peter and the primacy, I'm going to get emails. So. <laughs> so here we go, brothers and sisters. The story that we also find is about the primacy of one apostle, Peter. And the story shows that the primacy of Peter was not something that the church herself invented. Jesus did this. It went right back to the beginning, to the very mind and will of Jesus, who is God. So my friends, for us as Catholics, the failures of any of Peter's successors, we call him the Pope. The failures of popes throughout history do not contradict Jesus' promise that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. Peter himself failed the Lord in giving authority to the man who denied him three times. Jesus wanted to show that he was establishing his church not on human strength, but on his own love and his faithfulness and the power of the Spirit. The church's one foundation is Christ. And the successor of Peter, as Peter himself was, is a servant of our Lord, not a substitute for him. Amen?